Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the Kev Techify Nation. And if you're new here, welcome. In this episode, we're going to look at spanning tree operations. We'll be discussing the steps to a loop-free topology, which includes electing that root bridge and the impacts of or, sorry, the impacts of default BIDs and determining root path cost. We're going to look at electing that root bridge, electing the designated ports, and then finally that last step here is to elect alternate or your block ports. Then after we look at the four steps, we're going to go through and talk about electing a root bridge from a multiple equal cost pass. We're going to look at spanning tree timers and port states. We're going to look at operational details of each port state. And then finally, we're going to go on a per VLAN spanning tree discussion. This episode is part of my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials. I'm Kevin here at KevTechify. Let's get this adventure started. During the functions of spanning tree algorithm and spanning tree protocol, the switches use something we call a, a BPDU, Bridge Protocol Data Units, and they share information about the status of their connections with the other switches. Now, these are used to elect a bridge, a root bridge, root ports, designated ports, and our alternate ports. That's all part of this process here. During the operation of the spanning tree protocols and the spanning tree algorithm, the switches use something called a BPDU, Bridge Protocol Data Unit. Now, what this does is the switches share information about themselves with the other switches. They look at how the what, what ports are connected to what switches, what the speeds are, a whole bunch of information in there. This BPDU also contains what we call a bridge ID or a BID, some people pronounce it as a bid. Um, what this BID, bridge identifier contains, is a priority value. It contains the MAC address of the switch and then an extended system ID. What's important about this bridge ID here is the lowest bridge ID value is determined, is determined by combining all of these together. The lowest bridge ID can be your root bridge. The bridge ID, the default priority in that bridge ID is 32,768. That is two to the 16th power. That's the default number. From there, you can, adjusted all the way up to 6,100, 6,000, start over with from there. From that default priority, you can adjust it all the way down on the low end to zero, all the way up to on the high end, 61,440. But you have to do that in increments of 4,096. And if you notice, 32,768, 61,440, 4096, those are all due to some power. The lower the bridge priority, that's preferable because that lower bridge priority is going to be the root bridge. So if you want a certain device to have a root bridge, you need to adjust it to a lower number. If you set it all the way to the lowest number possible, you set it to the zero, that is going to be the root bridge regardless of anything else you have on there. 
In the bridge ID, we also have that extended system ID. What that is, is a decimal number added to that bridge priority to identify the VLAN for this BPDU. We also contain the MAC address here in the bridge ID. What the MAC address allows us to do is if the priority and the extended system ID, if they're all set the same, the MAC address is going to break the tie. So if everything else is set the same, the lowest MAC address will be that root bridge. The spanning tree algorithm, it selects one switch to be the root bridge to start with. It has to start somewhere. It just picks out one switch. And then from there, we start exchanging our BPDUs, our bridge protocol data units. That root bridge sends out that BPDU and that contains that bridge identifier. And it sends these BPDUs out every two seconds. These BPDU frames, they contain the bridge identifier of the sending switch and the bridge identifier of the root bridge, also known as the root ID. So that bridge identifier of the root bridge, that is also known as the root ID. When these BPDUs get sent out to all the devices in that broadcast domain, so all the switches that are connected up, the lowest bridge identifier will become the root bridge. At first, all these switches declare themselves as a root bridge with their own BID set as a root ID. Eventually, these switches learn through the exchange of these BPDUs, which switch has the lowest BID and agree on that one bridge. Because the default bridge ID is 32,768, it's possible for two or more switches to have the same priority. In this scenario, when we have the same priorities, the switch with the lowest MAC address, and once again, these MAC addresses are stored in a hexadecimal number. These MAC addresses, the one with the lowest MAC address becomes that root bridge. Now, the administrator, it, they should go ahead and set that root bridge with a lower priority if they want to specifically pick that out. Notice the default bridge ID, that is 32,768. Here in our example, our priority is 32,769. Default is 68, what we have set is 69. Once again, that comes from that base default bridge priority of 32,768 plus that extended system ID. That's that VLAN number. We're all in VLAN one. So 32,768 plus that one for the extended system ID gives us our 32,769. Here in this example, we have our three switches. They all have the same priority of 32,769. Because the priorities are all the same, when we go through the election process, the election process is going to tell us that switch two is going to be our root bridge. Right now it's labeled as switch one because we're just starting up, but after it goes through the election process, 
switch to will be the root bridge because all the priorities were the same then it defaults to the mac address and then that mac address with the lowest mac address in hexadecimal that becomes our root bridge and so that says switch two right here will be our root bridge after that election process happens to determine the best path to the destination through our switches using spanning tree we look at figuring out what we call the root path cost. Now that spanning tree algorithm determines that best path to the root bridge. The internal root path cost is what we, what we calculate. The switch, it receives a BPDU, that bridge protocol data unit in on it. It adds the ingress port cost, so that the, the cost of that port it got it in on to determine that internal path cost. Now, that port it came in on, there's default costs associated with each of those ports, and that's set up by looking at the speed of those ports. Now, switch ports, they all have this default ports, but you can go in and manually configure the cost on the port. So if you'd prefer to use one over the other, you can go in and manually change that to adjust which path it uses in its calculations. Now, here's a chart. It shows the link speed, and then it shows the spanning tree protocol back from 1988 cost, and then it shows the rapid spanning tree cost from 2004. Only six years difference there, but look at the link speeds. Starting at the bottom, we have 10 megs per second. We have 100 megs, a gig, and 10 gigs. Notice our cost. The, the slower the connection, the higher the cost. And so our 10 meg connection has 100. Our 100 meg has a 19 cost. Our one gig connection has a STP cost of four. 10 gigs has a cost of two. Back then when we started, 1998, 20 years ago, whoever thought we'd get to 10 gigs? Now we're part, starting to look at 100 gigs. Pretty soon, we're gonna be at 1,000 gigs per second going across these connections. And we're already down at a cost of two. So when they did the rapid spanning tree, they increased those numbers dramatically. And so we went from 100 down here for our, our 10 megabits to 2 million. And then 100 megabits per second went to 200,000 for our rapid spanning tree cost gig went to 20,000, 10 gig went to 2,000. That allows us enough room in there to add in faster and faster speeds. The second step in our spanning tree algorithm is to elect our root ports. Now, the root port is that port that is closest to the root bridge. In this scenario here, we went through the election process. We decided that S1 is our root bridge. We said, okay, S1 is our root bridge any port that it the port that's closest to s1 and so if we look at this at, on s2 the port that's closest to s1 is our fast ethernet 01 up here on switch 3 the port that's closest to switch 1 here is fast ethernet 01 these two ports fast ethernet 01 on both of those switches those are going to be our root ports to calculate that internal root path cost what we do is we start at a switch. So we're gonna look at switch two right here. Look at switch two. And 
we are going to calculate the cost to get to the root switch. Now, there's two paths. Once again, the path that goes from switch one, switch two, that's path one. And then there's a second path. That path goes from switch two to switch three, then from switch three to switch one. We're gonna add up the cost of all of those. The one with the lowest cost is gonna be our preferred path. The path with the lowest internal cost will become that preferred path. Switch two right here. If we look at switch two, the path from switch two to switch one we're going to say that's a cost of 19. That's our total cost. And when we go from switch two to switch three to switch one, that path two here, this cost here is a 19, this cost is a 19. And so our path cost, if we look down here, path cost for one is 19 times one gives us a total of 19. The path for two is 19 times two, that gives us a 38. Path one's cost is 19, path two is 38. The one with the lowest cost becomes our preferred path. So that's path one. Because path one has the lower overall path cost to the bridge, it's the preferred path and F01 becomes that root port. When we looked at that, our numbers through the calculations said, the port that's closest to the switch, the lowest number, that is going to be our root port. That's how we calculate it. Step three here in our spanning tree algorithm is to elect the designated ports. Now, every segment between a switch will have one designated port. That designated port is a port on that segment that has the internal path costs to the root bridge. In other words, the designated port is the best path to receive traffic leading to the root bridge. It's receiving traffic in for the best path to get to that root bridge. Now, there's a couple rules here about our designated ports. If it's not a root port or a designated port, it becomes an alternate or a blocked port. So if it's not a root port or a designated port, it becomes a alternate port or block port. Once again, root port is that port on a switch that's closest to the root bridge. The designated port is that receiving port that receives data in on that path to the root bridge. Now, all the ports on the root bridge are designated ports. All the ports here on S1, they are designated ports because they are receiving data in on those ports. If one, of the, if one end of that segment is a root port, the other end is a designated port. Now, when we look at the switch three and switch two here, they have root ports that point to the root bridge. So that we, we set those up as, or we didn't set it up, the spanning tree algorithm set this up as the root port. The other end of the connection, because we're sending data out of the switch on the root port, the other end is a designated port. The data is coming in from that far switch into that port, which is on the path to the root bridge. So the root port is on the far switch that's sending data out, designated port is receiving data in. All ports connected to end devices are designated ports. Up here on switch 
One, you can see where PC4 is connected in. That's a designated port. Also down here on switch two, all three of these PCs, where they're connected in right here, these are all designated ports. And then on the segment between switches where neither one of the switches is the root bridge, the port on the switch with the least cost path to the root bridge is the designated port. If we look over here, in our scenario, S1 is our root bridge, S2 and S3 aren't the root bridge, so the segment between them is not connected to the root bridge. We then look and see, okay, the one side has to be the designated port. The designated port is assigned to that port where it's connected to the device that has the lowest path to the switch. And once again, remember, this was a cost of 19 here. This was a path that cost of 38. And so this switch has the 19 here that creates this as the designated port. If you like this episode on spanning tree protocol operations and you get value out of it, and depending upon the platform you're using, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, subscribe to my channel, leave a comment. Doing this supports the channel, which in turn helps me bring you more great content. You can also visit my website here at kevtechify.com for all of my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. And the fourth step here in the spanning tree algorithm is to elect our alternate ports. The alternate port is a blocking port. Now, if the port on the switch is not a designated port or a root port, it's not a root port or a designated port, it becomes an alternate port. In our example here, all the other ones were either root ports or designated ports. Looking through here. So the port here that didn't have a have stayed assigned to it was the end of this connection between switch two and switch three. Once again, where it connects into switch two, that was the designated port because this switch had the lowest cost path to the root bridge. This one didn't have it. That turns into our alternate port. What the alternate port here is a blocking port. It blocks traffic from coming through here. This is that loop prevention. That loop prevention that spanning tree protocol does is this port is now blocking here. Data can't travel through here. So there is no multiple paths to our destination until this link goes down here between, between switch two and switch one. It'll go through the failover process and then the, the connection will be able to allow the data to be delivered to its destination. So once again, that alternate port goes to any ports that are not a root port or a designated port. The election process to elect that root port from multiple equal cost paths. All of our paths, they cost the same. Which one is going to be that root path? Well, we look at three different things. We look at the lowest sender bridge identifier, then we look at the lowest sender pri port priority, and then the last one we look at is the lowest sender port ID. Let's look at this scenario here. We're going to look and show you how the lowest sender bridge identifier helps us determine which is the root port. We have a scenario here, we have four switches. These four switches 
all the costs are the same between them. Uh, the process here, the costs are not the same. So we'll get rid of that part. Some of the costs have been set for us. If we look at Switch 1, Switch 1 has the bridge identifier of 24,000, which is lower than any other bridge identifiers. All the other bridge identifiers are using the default one, 32,768 plus one for the VLAN. Up here on Switch 1, the bridge identifier is 24,577. The administrator went and set a lower one, so that way it would force S1 to be elected as the root bridge, right here. Then, S3 and S4, they have ports connected directly to the switch, where if they went out the other port going through the other switches, that's going to give them a higher cost. And so the ports that directly connected into the root bridge, those are set as the root ports. Root port. Now, if one end of the connection is a root port, the other end is the designated port. Once again, root port sends out data to the root bridge, designated port set brings in data in the path to the root bridge. In this case, the destination is the root bridge right here. And so that port is there. So any port on that switch is designated ports. Then we come down here and looking at switch two. Looking at switch two, it's equal cost to go from switch two to switch three to switch one. It's equal cost to go from switch two to switch four to switch one because it's equal cost here what happens now is we look at the lowest sender bridge identifier and what that means here is we look at where that bpdu came from it came from switch four here it, another one came from switch three calculated out even cost so we look at this bridge identifier the bridge identifier here for switch three is 32,769.5555555. The bridge identifier here for switch four is 32,769.1s. The dot ones are lower. And what that means here on switch two, the port connected to switch four, because that sender ID is lower, it has dot ones at the end, that is going to become the root port. When, when the port one on switch two becomes the root port, we can go through and say, okay, this is the root port here. This is the designated port because this is how we send data. This is on switch three, port two here is receiving data in to get to the root bridge that sets up as a designated port. This port, port two on switch two isn't a designated port or a root port that then turns it into the alternate port, which is a blocking port at this point in time. And data cannot travel, thereby not allowing data to loop in our network. But we know about the connection, we know about the path. So if any of these other connections go down, this one will come back online, go into a forwarding state, and we have our full connectivity. In this topology, we have two switches and they're connected with two equal cost paths between them. S1 is the root bridge. Once again, we get the root bridge here by having the lowest bridge ID. Goes through the process that creates S1 here is the root bridge. So because S1 is the root bridge, these two ports on these connections are set as the designated ports. 
S4 has these two connections. They're equal cost pass back to the root bridge because both, both ports are connected to the same switch. The sender's bridge identifier is equal because the bridge identifier is based off on the root bridge or where they receive that bridge protocol data unit from. It's the same device, so they're going to be equal. So the first step here is a tie. The next one is looking at the sender's priority. That bridge protocol data unit, it came from S1. It came from the root bridge. And because the port priority is the set the same right now, it's going to be a tie. But if we we're to adjust one of these to a lower number, if we set this port priority to 127, the lowest sender port priority, that would become the forwarding port, and then the other one would become the alternate or the blocking port at that point in time. So if it's a tie here first and the sender's bridge identifier, we look at the sender's port priority. Here's a step further. If we take the same scenario, two switches, two equal cost connections, we have the root bridge on switch one, switch four has two ports on equal cost pass, the priority is the same. So because we're connecting into the same switch, that bridge identifier, that's the same. The port priority is the same on both of these. And so step one fails, step two fails. We then, we look at the lowest sender port number. We look at the lowest sender port ID. Where that B PDU came from, that bridge protocol data unit, where it came from. It came from the same bridge ID number, the same port priority. So we look at the actual port it came out of. The one with the lowest port number. This one here, port one, F01, that's the lowest one. The other one is F02. F01, it came on this one. So we turn this one into the root port. So we have right here. And then because this is the root port, we can only have one path back to the switch. This other one is not labeled. When it's neither a root port or a designated port, it becomes the alternate port. And once again, if you're an alternate port, you are blocking at this point in time. And so no data is going through here. We don't have a loop, but we do know that that path exists. If something happens to that other connection, we will fail back onto that alternate port. It'll become a forwarding port and our data will get to its destination. When we look at spanning tree protocol, we do have some timers. We have some port states that we, we need to talk about. Now, when we get the spanning tree protocol convergence, when we get everything all happy, all the elections are done, we know what our root bridge, we have our root ports, our designated ports, our alternate ports. Once we have all that, we, we also look at, we have some timers that are happening. First one we have is the hello timer. This hello timer is the interval between our BPDUs, our bridge protocol data units. It can be anywhere from one to 10 seconds that we send out this hello timer. I'm still here. This is my bridge identifier. Default is two seconds, but you can adjust it from one to 10 seconds depending upon the needs of your network. Another timer is the forward delay timer. That forward delay timer is that time spent in the listening and learning states. The default is 15 seconds each for listening and learning. 
but it can be modified anywhere from four to 30 seconds. Once again, it goes through both states, listening and learning. The default for each one of those is 15 seconds for a total of 30 seconds. And then the last timer we have is the max age timer. This is the maximum length of time a switch waits before attempting to change that, the STP topology. Before we make another change to this, let's pause for a second, make sure that somebody just didn't quickly unplug and plug something back in. That is our maximum age timer. The default here is 20 seconds before we can go ahead and um, attempting to make a, a change here. Default is 20 seconds, but we can adjust it anywhere from 60 to 40 seconds. Now, the default times here, they can be changed on the root bridge. The root bridge will then propagate that out through the spanning tree protocol. As spanning tree protocol and the spanning tree algorithm work through their different processes, the spanning tree protocol has five different states, port states. We have blocking, listening, learning, forwarding, and disabled. Disabled isn't showing on this one because that's considered a non-operational state, but the other four operational states are blocking, listening, learning, and forwarding down the left side here. Five states total, four are operational, one is non-operational, that's the blocking one. When we look and go through this process, these are the steps it goes through. It goes, first it comes in blocking. So basically we, we didn't receive any BDPU, we have the maximum age of 20 seconds. Then we start listening. And when we're listening, we have a forward delay. We're not gonna forward anything for another 15 seconds. We're gonna just sit here and we're gonna listen, make sure our network is good. Then in the learning process, that's where we're gonna start going through that election, figuring out what's going on. And that, and we, we delay for 15 seconds there to make sure that everybody has a chance to participate in the election and stuff like that. Once all the spanning tree algorithm gets done calculating, the ports that should be forwarding, they turn into a forwarding port. Now, when a port is blocking, in this blocking state, when spanning tree determines it needs to um, become active, it needs to come up. What we do here is instead of going straight into the forwarding process, we go into listening and learning. Because if, if we go straight from blocking to forwarding, we could have a loop in there for a little bit. And by default, that would be up to 30 seconds going in and propagating data that your network would slow down. And so from the blocking state, we always go into the listening state. And so where this happens is a link comes back up. That back hole that cut your piece of fiber, they fixed it and now came back up, it's operational. Somebody who accidentally unplugged the wrong cable plugs it back in. And so when that link comes back up, it's in the blocking state. And then the spanning tree protocol, if it determines it needs it to be a root or a designated port, then it goes into the listening for default of 15 seconds. Then it goes into the learning state for a default of 15 seconds. And then if the spanning tree algorithm decides to, it will turn it into a forwarding port at that point in time. There are five port states here when we're talking about spanning tree. The five states here are listed on the left. The five states are blocking, listening, learning, forwarding, and disabled. Now that blocking status, when we're in a blocking status, we're only going to receive in those bridge protocol data units. 
we're not gonna update our back tables, we're not gonna forward any frames because we're blocking sending, we are stopping a loop from happening, but we will listen to any bridge protocol data units coming in because if there's some information in there that causes us a recalculation to say, okay, now we're, we, we have to make this either a root or designated port, we can unblock it and then we start going through the listening and learning and then maybe even forwarding. The second port state is listening. Notice for the bridge protocol data units, we can send and receive through that port. We can send and receive, but we don't update anything in our MAC address table. Basically, at this point in time, we're just learning. We're, we're listening, or sorry, we're just listening. We're, we're hearing for any information out there. We want to soak it all up like a sponge and then being able to say, okay, we've listened to everything and that's why it's a 15 second delay. We're going to go into learning. At this point in time, we're still sending and receiving in case there's any late updates coming in, but we will start updating our Mac table as we start learning what's going on in our network. But we're still not forwarding frames at this point in time. Once the spanning tree algorithm decides, hey, this port needs to be forwarding, we're, we're sending and receiving of our bridge protocol data unit, we're updating our Mac tables, and we're also forwarding our data frames. We're sending data in and out, um, in and out that port, we're, we're making our network happen at that point in time. If for some reason your port gets into disabled, it doesn't send any bridge protocol data units, it doesn't update the MAC address table, it doesn't forward any frames. It is just completely down, completely turned off. It's, it's a non-operational state at that point in time. Spanning tree protocol, it can be configured to operate on multiple VLANs. So VLAN 1 could have its own spanning tree instance. Um, VLAN 2 could have its, another separate instance of spanning tree, each of them doing all its own calculations, root bridge, root ports, designated ports, alternate ports. It can keep track of all that information. The per VLAN spanning tree, typically it's PVST, per VLAN spanning tree, it's a separate instance of spanning tree protocol for each individual VLAN. Separate instance means you're going to need a little bit more RAM, a little bit pro more processor. If you have some older equipment, may not support it. But you, it does take some RAM, does take some processor to make this all work. The, a root bridge is elected for each spanning tree instance. So every instance of spanning tree you have up and running, there will be a different root bridge and it's possible to have different root bridges for different VLANs. Now, depending upon your network, depending upon your connections, where your VLANs all go, that election process, that spanning tree algorithm may calculate out different root bridges, root ports, designated ports, alternate ports per VLAN. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on spanning tree protocol operations. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, and of course, depending upon what platform you're using, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel. All of my socials and contact information are on my website, kevtechify.com, and you can get all these episodes in video and podcast form. In the upper right is my playlist for my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials. In the bottom right is one of my favorite episodes that I linked just for you. 
Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.